0: going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Roarcast. I'm Mike Kowalski joined by Kyle Matrician, Megan Rojas. Guys, what is up? It has been a few weeks
1: and it's good to be back. Mike, I feel like we need like a big lion roar sound when we say welcome to the roarcast at the beginning of these podcasts. What do you think? I mean, sometimes less is more, Kyle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, well, I'm trying to work it in. You <laughs> can
1: do Want me to do it live right now. I can't. No, I could like have to. I don't know. I'll think about also, it. Also,
0: you know, you want to, you know, talk about the inner workings of athletics. Hard to find a good sound by Ever Roar. Harder than you think. I
3: thought we
1: had Unfortunately, one. We we definitely ha- we have a good
0: one. one when I first got here, to be honest with you. I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to keep this in or not. The first, so when we ha- like would make a big play at football games and basketball games, the sound effect. The roar sounded like a toilet flush <laughs> it was the worst and like we made fun of the, like the person who was running that so bad about it and then finally like that person took another job and the new person switched the roar because everybody was just like it okay. sounds like a toilet flush
3: <laughs> it is a tough sound
0: if you don't have it right like you're gonna you just, that's you what know. you're gonna get <laughs> well, you could.
1: i mean just gotta like find somebody at the Detroit lions who can get us a good lion roar, you know, and then somebody's got to have a it.
0: quick Google search. You got to do like, it's a time. It's a I, didn't,
1: I didn't say it was a Google
0: search. <laughs> well, to anyway, tap into
1: our resources.
0: Yeah. Getting back on track as we've already gotten off the rails. Right. Take long. I know.
1: I just, I just took
0: us right off there. Uh, we've got a big episode, probably our most ambitious episode to date. Do we agree with this? Yeah. We had a solid, solid
1: of, episode, though.
0: Total of yeah, four guests, right, so seven right. on the
1: Zoom mm-hmm. for, for this
0: one. We had uh, members of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee uh, on. That's You'll hear us refer to that as SAC if you're not aware in, in the know. Um, we had Paulina Ferrari, uh, Paul Akire, and Monique Benjamin. Who are all on the e-board uh, discuss what they've been up to how they're getting ready for the, the fall semester and we took a, a pretty deep dive in uh, some social injustice initiatives uh, Talked with them about that so it's a really deep episode we had some really good conversation so uh, I think you guys are in store for a good good week and good episode.
1: All right we also had Ted Gregory the director of diversity initiative and talent recruiting uh, t- or sorry diversity initiatives and talent retention Ted Gregory so uh, he was really good at uh, you know starting up the conversation there and then we he um actually found out a few things uh, that, that Ted has done uh, that were led by him over the over the summer to do some like diversity training with uh, a lot of the teams so some really interesting conversation.
3: I had um, no idea he was calling it well, I guess we're going to spoil it. We won't spoil the name of it in this intro, but he has a great name for his uh, programming that he's put together. Amazing.
1: I mean... Great.
0: Right. You know, it just, it's kind of a natural thing with his it name. Is. And, you know, what's, what's going on. Everybody watches them, so just stay tuned. And I know you're trying to put two and two together right now,
1: but... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this episode is like the unofficial official start of our season that started three weeks ago. I feel like this episode... This is like the real premiere where we kind of teased our new season the last the last two episodes that happened a few weeks ago.
3: Right. This episode's the season premiere of podcast season.
1: Yes. Yeah. We're gonna
3: have a fall season at Columbia, but we're gonna have a podcast season.
1: We totally will. <laughs> we're
3: starting it off tonight. Yeah. And I actually thought it was really good. I wasn't um, sure the length and how in depth they were gonna get with what they were talking about with SAC and stuff like that, but they really had a nice plan. It was awesome. And Ted's great. Love Ted. Ted.
0: Ted's, Ted's. I mean, if you're around Columbia Athletics, you you absolutely know Ted. He's at, a, you know, a lot of events, not just football where mm-hmm. he's an alum, but he's he supports just about every program here in some way, shape, or form. And you always see him in Dodge and up at Baker. Like he's just so present and really good person to have have around and brings a lot to the table for us.
1: I thought it was a good opportunity for us to introduce some of the new e-board members of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. I know like that's kind of like who we were targeting for this episode, but at the same time, like for the topics of the episode, but at the same time, it's kind of nice to give them a platform to kind of introduce themselves and, you know, what SAC is all about outside of what we originally planned on talking about.
0: We talked about some important topics and it's not going to be the the last time we're going to be bringing these up because um, I think this is something that's going to stay with us for a while and it's, it's an important it's important especially in these times so um we hope you enjoy the episode and we'll be right back with members of the E Board and ted gregory we all know what comes with being a fan the ups the downs and everything in between share a coke with a friend coca-cola the official beverage of the columbia lions At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning, non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy great tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order.
1: All right, welcome back to the latest episode of the RoarCast. Uh, I'm Kyle Matrician, as we mentioned before, joined by Mike Kowalski and my co-host Megan Rojas. And for this uh, section of the RoarCast, we're going to bring in four guests. Uh, First of all, a Columbia Hall of Famer, Ted Gregory, is here joining us. Uh, Also joined by Paul Akire of the Columbia football team, Paulina Ferrari of the women's tennis team, and Monique Benjamin of the Columbia softball team. All three of those student athletes are e-board members of Columbia Student Athlete Advisory Committee. So first of all, I just wanna thank all four of you for joining us today. How's everybody doing?
2: Awesome. Great, happy to be here. Yeah, doing thank good. you so much for having us, really excited.
1: Of course, all from different time zones, I think. I think Monique, <laughs> and, uh, Monique and Paulina, you're, for, you're out in California, correct?
4: Yes, sir.
1: And then Paul's joining us from Texas, correct? Yep, down in Dallas. Down in Dallas. Three time
0: zones covered today, This three time. week.
1: Uh-oh. Ted, Ted, you're in. Are you around New York City? Right. You live around New York?
0: 110th between
3: Broadway and
1: Amsterdam. Okay, so there. right it's in bad. the heart. Right <laughs> in the heart of it. Nowhere else. And then the three of us. I think, Ro, you're still in Jersey, right?
3: Been near, I'm back in the city.
1: Oh, you're back in the city. Okay, okay, man, you left the Jersey, the Jersey squad this here. Right now. this is like much. the third, third or fourth
0: <laughs> different location we've had Rojas in. <laughs> really,
1: though, Seriously. She jumped all around.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: she jumped all around. Well, this
3: is uh, the most guests we've had, Kyle
1: is this is uh seven people right now on this zoom call on this podcast i'm pretty excited about this i will start with paulina and i don't have it in front of me so i'm just gonna give it a whirl here paulina i believe Good person to
0: start with kyle uh, are <laughs> yes i was gonna
1: say i believe her name was at the top um she is we're all about vice,
0: preparedness here you know vice
1: president of uh vice, one of the co-vice presidents of SAC this year yes yeah okay So Paulina, why don't you just introduce yourself, what year you are, and what your position is with uh, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee.
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, thanks, Kyle. Yeah, my name is Paulina. I'm a rising senior on the women's tennis team, and this year I'm going to be serving as co-president of SAC. Uh, Last year, I served as co-chair of the community service committee um, on the E-board with um, Grace Campbell, who was a... um, Graduate on the women's volleyball team. And I kind of got involved with SAC a little bit as just a freshman, um, really enjoyed it, really thought that they you know, were making a big difference. And from some of the seniors, I heard that just really were getting involved and I really wanted to, especially with community service, it's something I'm pretty passionate about. So took on that role as a sophomore, uh, was in those e-board meetings, or took on that role actually as a junior, sorry, and was in those e-board meetings and just really wanted to get even more involved. Um, we had two amazing, amazing presidents last year, uh, Amber Sponarski and Nina Tang, and um, they are definitely very, very tough shoes to follow, but I have been super lucky because we have a really diverse e-board um, across the, a lot of different teams. It's really big. We've added some new positions this year, um, and it's been really awesome because they've been super active even over the course of the summer, and even though we're all been home and it's been a super you know, weird year and everything.
1: I think that transitions nicely since I didn't know you were on the community service uh, part of the eBoard last year, I'm gonna now transition to Paul. Now that I've got the list up, Paul Cure uh, is uh, one of the community service co-chairs this year. So Paul, uh, can you just talk about your involvement in SAC, if you were on the eBoard last year, how you got involved this year, if not, and uh, you know, uh, introduce yourself a little.
5: Awesome, thank you. So I'm Paul Cure. I am a rising junior on the football team from Dallas, Texas, and this is my first year on the SAC eBoard. And I just, I got involved in SAC my freshman year. I always thought it was important for student athletes to kind of express their voice. And I was pretty involved with Harlem due to my internship at the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce my, this summer of my freshman year. And so therefore I thought it was important to just keep the community involvement that I had up and use my voice as a student athlete to continue and try to bridge that gap as not only a student athlete, but somebody who had connections in the Harlem area.
1: And then last but not least, uh, somebody I've worked with uh, one-on-one as she's on the softball team, and that's one of the sports I cover from the com- for the communications department. Monique Benjamin, you uh, look like you're flying solo here on the social media part of the e-board. So why don't you explain uh, what you do as part of the social media committee, a one-man committee there, and uh, introduce yourself.
4: Totally. Um, So, my name is Monique, Um, I'm a rising junior on the softball team, and I'm a pitcher, and I've played many a hacky sack game with Kyle before games. Yes, I forgot about
1: Uh, that. Kyle is (laughs) (laughs) your self No, no, I didn't, I didn't, surprisingly, I didn't have the opportunity to this year.
4: (laughs) Um, And I joined eBoard kind of halfway through last year, my sophomore year, and then came into the same role this year again. Um, as the social media chair. And really just our goal was to build engagement and create a community environment, not just at our meetings on Mondays, but to have a place where students could go during the weekday to see updates on their other fellow student athletes. And I think we've done a really great job of that.
0: So you guys talked a little bit about community service initiatives. Talk about some other things that you guys are involved with and how you kind of serve the, the overall student-athlete population here. We'll start with you, Pauline, and if anybody else has anything to add, feel free to chime in.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think obviously with you know us all being home, it's definitely served a little bit uh, differently this year, especially over the summer, um, or I guess even towards the tail end of, of last year. And so we have just obviously, Monique has done an amazing, amazing job Uh, And I cannot emphasize that enough of uh, just showing kind of how active we've been on social media, um, kind of getting, you know, resources out there um, and everything like that. We were able to compile kind of a a document of resources and of just everything of places to donate, uh, you know, things, educational resources and everything like that, that we were able to email out to our listserv of athletics um, or to the various athletes. And uh, we've had, you know, a couple of challenges that I think it's really great for just like teams, uh, team chemistry, and just the athletic community overall. And I don't know if um, Paul or Monique kind of
4: want to add anything to that. Additionally, kind of around June, a lot of the SAC groups in the Ivy League came together and we requested our institutions designate election day as an off day for all of athletics. And that was given to us on June 18th, which was really awesome um, because we really feel like election day is a day where our voices can be heard and we can walk the walk. Um, And so building off of that, Kayla Davis, um, Paulina's other co-president reached out to another club on campus, CU Votes, and we're planning on having a CU Votes led voter registration presentation during our one of our SAC meetings in the fall and training on absentee ballots because a lot of our athletes don't live in the New York State. Um, And we're really just trying to educate ourselves more and more around issues that are happening in our country.
1: And if you wanna give uh, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, I'll give you a little plug here, Monique, a follow on social media. Uh, It is uh, at Columbia SAC, S-A-A-C, on both uh, Twitter and Instagram, as I just followed them this very moment, and I should have been following you sooner.
2: You will not be disappointed. Monique does a great (laughs) job. Um, She has a lot of polls going. I definitely encourage voting. Um, Very interactive.
1: Looking forward. I know. I just went on a Instagram and I saw there was a bunch of, uh, she she makes better graphics than we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> like how a get,
6: that's how people get jobs. Yeah. I know. <laughs> exactly? are you working for us. <laughs> working for now? I know. It's all very
1: uh, coordinated, very like brand. Like Alex Oberweger would be thrilled with the uh, brand guidelines in here. I mean, just fantastic.
4: I'm always around for internships. <laughs> <laughs>
6: It comes built in with four reference letters on the call.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ted, we won't reveal uh, how old you are, but when you were an athlete- Oh, I'll reveal it. it. I'll reveal (laughs) it. it. Uh, uh, Was there anything like this at Columbia while, while you were a student athlete here?
6: You mean Marketing? No. <laughs> <back to> <laughs> I think Sorry, some years well, they tried you know, to. we did we did we did homework by candlelight, but other than that, <laughs> I, I I don't think things have changed that much. Uh No, we did we did not. Uh and probably could have used it uh uh because anything that brings students together to to brainstorm on the issues that confront them on a daily basis. I think it's a it's a great idea, and they should have a they should have a voice because um, this experience literally is
1: all about them. And speaking of giving uh, student athletes a voice, and Monique, you just brought up the fact that uh, back in I think you said June, uh, you wanted to make a, a election day at, uh, like a point of emphasis on campus, and I think uh, what spurred that is obviously a lot of the social injustice that. Uh, movement that happened over the summer uh, that was really uh, kind of brought into the light by the very unjust killing of George Floyd. So again, we're very happy that the three of you uh, joined us today for this podcast. And we're very happy, as I said, that Ted is here as well, because we think Ted can really bring some insight into uh, you know, what what are the Columbia student-athletes doing as part of the social justice movement. Uh, what is SAC doing? What is the student athlete advisory done uh, since uh, kind of starting to have the meetings about that? And we thought this was a really good way to provide everybody with an update. Um, so Paulina, as you are the highest ranking member of the SAC eBoard on this on this podcast, um, can you, can, I'm just gonna start with you and everybody can feel free uh, to ask questions uh, Outside, you know, outside of me. Uh, but can you just, when when all of this was beginning to go down, and I want to say it kind of right at the beginning of June, late May, early June, in that time period, what your leadership role was, and kind of the things that the student athlete advisory committee at Columbia has done uh, in their meetings and their actions since then.
2: Yeah. Um. I guess. Well, I guess in terms of my timeline with SAC, uh, we had elections, I wanna say a little bit beforehand. So we were in a little bit of a weird transition period um, of me kind of moving um, into uh, co-president and then Amber and Nina graduating and kind of moving out. But definitely, it was, it was definitely a, a, a weird time in terms of just kind of getting communication with athletes, you know, having open conversations within teams, within the broader community with everyone being online. Um, with the pandemic and everything, uh, I think that we were able to do a pretty good job of, of being active. I know that a lot of teams kind of had player-only conversations, conversations with their teams. Um, we were able to also have a conversation with um, athletics. Uh, I had a couple of, of kind of one-off conversations with Kayla, the other co-chair who is on the women's soccer team, um, and we've kind of been working with athletics on how to have a peer to peer, um, kind of conversation and have basically training for, uh, certain people on the t- a couple people on the team or people who are interested in kind of like really committing to, you know, educating themselves and then them turning around and, you know, conducting those conversations with their team, with their peers and having, you know, more peer to peer, uh, conversations. And I think that that was just really important in order to a little bit more comfort I guess you would say I think that just as athletes we love our coaches but there's always just a little bit of a different you know dynamic from player to coach or anything than there is like when it's really um just on the team and I think that's something just for me we come from I'm on a much smaller team on women's tennis so it's very very easy for us to have you know huge team meetings uh as I'm sure it's probably different for Paul because I don't know if like all of football can hop on Zoom. Uh, for us, it's 11 girls. Like, it's not very hard to coordinate. So that's kind of where SAC has been. Um, Monique actually was able to help us with social media, uh, with George Floyd, and a lot of teams were able to participate where we were able to run. A, for every mile we ran, I believe it was a dollar that was donated, and we a, a lot of teams participated in that, and then kind of just athletics, and that, that bridged actually into alums. So that was a really awesome thing that we were able to do. Uh, to kind of keep the community and also, you know, have some sort of impact while being virtual.
0: Well, uh, Monique and Paul, why don't you guys walk us through s- some of the conversations you had with your team and, and how that kind of translates to what you're doing on, on this eboard and everything as well?
4: Totally. Um, I feel like for us, allyship has really been a prevalent topic. Um, trying to figure out ways to support and advocate for our teammates and our student-athlete community in general, um, whether it's facilitating conversations or just being present and listening to conversations that are happening around us. um, We're really just trying to create an inclusive and safe environment um, in the team meetings and like on athletic campuses. Um, And just last week we had an awesome diversity training meeting with Ted and it was fantastic. Um, I think learning from people's experiences is one of the best ways to learn and unlearn kind of the things that we've been brought up on. Um, And I think the biggest thing is that we're committed to learning and unlearning and we're just trying to grow all together.
5: For sure, I definitely echo exactly what Monique said, but in specific football, I guess our situation is a little bit different because our team's so large. So we did hop on a Zoom with all of our players And we basically just opened the floor up for everybody, not only people of color, but people, non-people of color, to share their experiences and how this year has changed their perspective. So I know for me, it was pretty beneficial being able to just share everything that was on my heart, my expectations for my teammates who were not black or not people of color, for them to be allies for me, not only when I'm in the room, but when I'm wherever they are, because they're always in close contact with all the people of color on their team. So I, th- I feel like they should be kind of an extension of us. It's like I was kind of able to express that to a lot of my teammates. And then just like what Monique was saying, Ted was able to come in and really just share his insight of what this year has done for him and how it's changed his perspective. And I think that was further beneficial because a lot of people didn't don't have those type of people to speak to in their daily life. So that was beneficial. And then additionally, our team, after that, a lot of people started advocating for all of our team. my All of my team is to vote in the primary election. So, I mean, every day there's somebody different coming in saying, hey, guys, if you're in such and such state, go and vote. So I think that's awesome.
0: One more follow-up is, you know, talking again in, in your teams, was there any sort of breakthrough moments of any discussions you guys have had that you would want to share and like anything that was like eye-opening or like just, you know, you felt like really you know, empowered after after having a conversation with your teammates?
5: Um, I guess something that, like, was really moving to me was, I guess, in the middle of our conversation, somebody asked, like, what the Black Lives Matter movement meant to a different person who maybe didn't support it. And then that person was able to say why they didn't support it, what their feelings around the whole subject were, and, like, how they didn't want to be perceived as racist because they're always in contact with, I guess, people, their teammates. But they didn't support everything that the black lives matter movement was going on and somebody else was able to shed light upon all the injustices that are being brought forth by the black lives matter movement and if you don't support it like you're always able to have that opinion and like project it on other people but before you do that you should definitely try to understand and i think that was pretty important for a lot of people on the team who don't have those conversations that was i was turning point for a lot of people or breaking point i think so
2: Yeah, I guess going off of that, you know, within my team, I think a big thing, and not only within my team, I think um, kind of something that we've been emphasizing within the athletic community and the big thing has been taking some responsibility. Obviously, um, with, you know, the horrible things that happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and everything, it was a huge thing for other people on our team to not put the responsibility on, you know, Black teammates or other Black athletes to really educate us and to help us understand our privilege or, you know, how to unlearn biases that we maybe grew up with and stuff like that. And that is was something that I think that was a big focus and, you know, taking some sort of responsibility of educating yourself, understanding, you, you know, that not only like being not a racist is not enough, but, um, you know, you need to be an anti-racist at, at this point, how drastic things have become, so.
1: Can um, maybe Ted, you know, a, a few A few of our guests have mentioned uh, talked about the diversity training that you gave and how impactful that was. So maybe without going too much into detail, um, can you just talk a little bit about what that diversity training session was and maybe give some of our listeners here uh, a little, some takeaways, you know, people that weren't part of that, some takeaways from that diversity training session. Sure.
6: Yeah. I'm Ted Gregory, Director of Diversity Initiatives and Talent Retention here at Columbia, and Right after the George Floyd murder, I, I, I took it on myself to, to, to create some programming. And the whole idea behind the programming was to encourage uh, conversation, to encourage learning. So I wanted to get everybody to a certain base level of understanding around the issues uh, that, that, are, uh, uh, that, that are behind all the anger and frustration and passion uh that's gone on since the uh uh, uh since uh, G- george floyd brianna taylor ahmed Aubrey, tony mcdade i mean it was you know it's almost like george floyd was the the flashpoint but there was so much more that came before that that's behind just like any relationship it's the last argument you have that breaks you up but it's all the things leading up to it that uh uh, that make that last argument explode. So I think that was uh, what what happened with uh, uh, George Floyd. And you know, I looked at, I looked at all the news broadcasts and I read all the, the 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 newspaper reporting on this stuff. And what I found was that they throw around a lot of terms that that a lot of people don't completely understand. So, I try to break down what systemic racism is all about. I try to break down what voter suppression is all about and how long it's been going on and and uh it, and by the end of it, I think people have a better understanding around why some seemingly innocuous comments can you know trigger a fire uh because there's just so much underneath with the systemic racism every time that little thing cut that comes in that, could even be a compliment, and, and if, if you knew each other better, uh, doesn't always work that way. So, uh, so those are the kind of things I I I, I try to deal with, and uh, spent most of the summer uh, doing that with all the individual teams. First, I started with the coaches. I uh, did a separate set session for them, and then working my way through all the 31 teams, uh, and and I, I think I've got uh, by the end of Sunday. I will only have three teams that I haven't done. So I'm almost through the the entire department, but I think it's the feedback I've gotten. uh, And even on this call has has been very well and uh, uh, it's been well received. And I, and I hope it's sparking the type of conversation that uh, I I believe it can, but at least it gets us all on the same page. Uh, And, and, and my thought, Because I remember when I was a student, I graduated in uh, 1974, um, and I certainly had very passionate thoughts about uh, uh, what was going on, but I didn't have a lot of lived experience. And what I try to share is that lived experience uh, uh, in in this stuff, uh, because I think the, uh, the, the real life stories are the ones that resonate best.
1: Ted, what do you think are one of the biggest takeaways that you've seen maybe in those sessions, whether they were with coaches or student athletes that, you know, yeah. that have been uh, that have gotten back to you? Like people come after you after those diversity training sessions. I well, know, I what, really what I, think about this or that. Or.
6: Yeah, well, I, I, I encourage that. And as a matter of fact, after each one of these sessions, uh, I, I leave my uh, cell phone number because I want people to contact me. I want people to reach out. And I've had uh, quite a few uh, uh, reach out. A lot of them want to find out what more they can do, how you know what you know what they should be looking at to help uh, and others just want clarification on uh, on some of the things because again, these uh, uh, a lot of this stuff is you know people you know, the reason I leave my number is because I know there's a lot of this stuff people are hearing for the first time. And sometimes it takes a little while to process this stuff. Uh, And when they do, I want them to reach out. And that's why I encourage.
0: Throwing it back to the student athletes, you know, for Paul kind of mentioned a little bit, but what were some takeaways from you from, from, from a lack of better term, TED's talks with your, your teams. <laughs> TED <laughs> talks did not mean <laughs> I knew that was going to come out wrong, but for <laughs> it
6: anyway. That, that might have to be how you that, brand it. It, <laughs> it was. That's what it's been.
4: It's been <laughs> <laughs> um, for softball, personally, after that, I felt like we were really empowered to try and create some actionable steps. And one big thing that was brought up was on road trips, let's start supporting black businesses. Let's start going to those restaurants instead of going to Jimmy John's every day. Um, Try and put not only our actions where our mouth is, but our money where our mouth is, and really try and facilitate some sort of change. And I think that was something that we had never really thought of as a way to impart change.
3: My question would be what, obviously the first step in all this is conversation um, what other actionable steps that you guys are continuing doing throughout the summer and like into this into what this semester is or virtual wise because I know it's gonna be tough with um, not being able to see each other I wasn't sure if you guys have maybe like a sack um, set of goals or action items that are on the docket that you're looking to do virtually um, aside from just having open conversations which obviously are one of the most important
5: things. I know just being on like the SAC board has helped me like think about my time as a black student athlete here and then the virus also has helped a lot of other black student athletes think about what their time and how their experience at Columbia has been shaped by their race and I know that that has brought some like it's united a lot of black people across multiple sports and so there's a lot of Traction and bringing like a coalition for black student-athletes in a sense for a space to not only talk about their experiences Not like through SAC, but just as black student-athletes separate from SAC and then not only talk about their experiences But practice giving back to the community that we're in and then through SAC I think that's something that we've practiced is trying to I know that I've been trying to connect with some people in Harlem to connect some student-athletes even virtually to some students in the community, but that's something that's still in the works. That's awesome, Paul.
2: Yeah, and I think going off of that, um, Monique touched on it earlier, but uh, with CU Votes um, and Athlete Ally, we have, I guess, we can go into a little bit more deeper detail with that because I think a main thing for us is not only kind of starting that conversation, but also being able to continue it um, and. and Trying to figuring out how to navigate the obstacles that we have with doing that virtually Um, and having, you know, so I think that towards the end of last year, while we were still in school, we were having, you know, SAC meetings uh, over Zoom and being able to have those conversations there and, you know, planning on continuing that uh, through the fall semester. And with um, that in the fall semester, we're having uh, the vice president, I believe it is, come in from CU Votes uh, in September and talking about voter registration and then coming up again in October, um, talking about going into deeper about uh, absentee voting. And then on, in, you know, on top of that, also having one-on-one meetings and kind of giving an abridged version for people who uh, weren't able to you know, attend a SAC meeting or whatever it is, you know, with time change and everything like that and coming to individual teams. And you know, having like a quick one pager um, of what people you know need to be doing and can be doing, and and doing that with with timeline and everything to really try to you know mobilize our community and take as much responsibility as we possibly can.
4: Definitely, and I think kind of the last big pillar that we're moving towards this semester is making sure that we have a huge. Um, amount of engagement from the incoming first years, um, we think it's important to foster that community and let them know that like this is a space where we encourage learning and we encourage conversations. Um, That way people aren't really entering into this, their junior and senior year kind of like we did. We want SAC to be a four year thing where they're constantly taking away things and learning in a community. And I just think that with COVID and with social injustice movements going around. One thing that you can always rely on is your community and we wanna be that space for incoming first years and second years and third years and fourth years. Um, We want SAC to be the place to be.
3: (laughs) Other than Ted Gregory, obviously being a football alum, have you guys been in communication with any SAC alum or alumni on your team? That have maybe come back and spoke to you guys about these topics or is it has it just really been in house for now
2: um i we've had i guess with kind of the weird transition that we had um between the co-presidents of last year and this year we've had um you know pretty strong communication with them um, and they've kind of helped us both navigate and um I think also, since I guess that is a benefit of us being virtual, um, it is easier for alums to kind of come back and talk um, and everything like that because you know hopping on a Zoom call, you can kind of do that from every anywhere. So uh, our co-president from last year, uh, Nina Tang, um, kind of has been talking to us about being able to come back and speak to some issues that she's particularly passionate about. Um, just, you know, and it's, it's so easy for her to do because I think even she was planning on being in switzerland uh post-graduation or i'm not even sure where that's going now but um you know being able to hop on a call speak to us and still having that alumni engagement and i think that that ties back to what Monica's was saying about having you know first years and sac being a four-year thing and you know having that community so strong that as an alum you you really still feel some sort of involvement and tie to the sac community
3: what was the process i know you spoke earlier to this about um no practice, nothing being done on uh, the day of being of voting. Is that something that you work together with other Ivy schools? How did that go down?
2: Yeah, I think that that's something that a lot of Ivy League schools have been demanding, and I think that it also extends like past the Ivy League and um, in general. I've seen from a lot of schools, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of something that we were able to to also bring up. Um, independent of what we did with Columbia administration, but like also bring up on like a broader Ivy league platform for sure.
0: And I guess talk about some of the initiatives that you've brought up with the athletics administration, where you guys kind of are with those things and what do you see kind of happening in this, at least in this academic year, as we get, get moving.
4: And I think just continuing The branding piece, we had Pride Night last year with women's basketball, and it was just such an incredible event. So we brought up that we thought it could be a good idea to have like an anti-racism sort of themed game where we can have fun, but still open up a space for conversation to happen. Um, And I think that would be something really cool that could happen once we get our sports back
6: so there's a there's a committee we are going to start in the um uh probably in september once i finish all of these facilitations uh diversity and inclusion uh committee on athletics it's good. there's going to be an administrative piece of that and there's going to be a student athlete piece to that uh and hopefully what we can do is uh, you know, with with all of the diversity that we have at Columbia, and it's one of the most diverse schools in the nation with uh, uh, 37% white, 29% Asian, 17% Latino, 14% African American, 3% Native American. Uh, you know, it, and, and it, we should have that kind of diversity, given we're located in New York City. So the idea is to put together a, uh, a, a committee that gets involved with a little bit of everything, from hiring to grievances to making statements to uh, uh, and, and the way we want to we want to populate that with open-minded people uh, who can come together and, and try to make uh, make changes for all of us.
3: Ed, you mentioned earlier to piggyback off what you just said. I know this is, there's a broad answer to all of this, but when people are texting you or calling you after your TED Talks, mm-hmm. um, asking what action steps they can do individually, what are the top few that you give? Um, obviously, depending on the situation. Yeah, I, and, I,
6: you know, I, and I tell them to do whatever is within their personalities because there are little things you can do every day just in your daily conversations with friends uh, about how you stand up on those uh, 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 kind of issues in those situations to uh you know Columbia does a lot of different things, one of them being the uh, holder initiative, so Eric Holder was a classmate of mine, and he started this initiative where he brings to campus you know six times a a, a year a panel uh, They hold them in low library and uh, they're made up of politicians or journalists. Uh, and what he does is he takes undergrad students and law students across the country to, to deal with issues like gerrymandering, uh, voter suppression, uh, immigrant laws, and, and, and the whole bit. Uh, so you can go from, you know, just day-to-day conversations to committing time or taking a class over at the uh, Institute of Research for African American Studies. Uh, uh, and if you want to make a commitment to, to learn more. So I think there are a wide range of things that, that, uh, that can be done, or just educate yourself on uh, books, documentaries. I mean, a, a, documentary, a documentary I'd recommend is The 13th Amendment. Uh, it's free on Netflix, and Jelani Cobb, uh, a Colombian professor of journalism, is prominently display, displayed in that documentary. So just a few things like that. And, you know, we, we've raised, uh, you know, from a fundraising side, you know, one of our uh, our, our areas of interest is just societies. Uh, and we've raised a billion and a half dollars for that. And so the the holder initiative, some of that gets funded out of that just societies piece, but the rest of it goes towards everything from from medicine to research to journalism, to, et cetera, because they, you know, they cover a lot of our curriculums at Columbia. So a lot so, of ways to get involved.
0: This is a, a great start to a conversation that we know w- this isn't going to be the only one we have, uh, you know, with within this podcast and within the Columbia Athletics community, but uh, we want to thank Ted for taking some time and, and sharing with that. Um, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with one more segment with, uh, how things look for the from the perspective of a student-athlete uh, with this unique fall semester coming up. So stick around. We'll be right back.
1: Clean Eats Meal Prep are proud sponsors of the Columbia Lions. Clean Eats has a wide variety of meals, from the basics, low-carb, gluten-free, and even kids' options. The process is simple. Place your orders for the week, and Clean Eats delivers right to your doorstep. Nutrition, convenience, and results equal the Clean Eats experience. Visit www.cleaneatsmealprep.com to try us today.
0: Make a brilliant move to Vanderwater luxury condominium residences in morningside heists. Discover an elevated approach to city living, a modern homage to old world elegance, breathtaking views of the Hudson River, Columbia University, and Riverside Church. Visit thevandewater.com today for more information. That's T H E V A N D E W A T E R.com.
1: JAG-1 Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities, allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The JAG-1 team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jagonept.com, that's J-A-G-O-N-E-P-T.com, for more information. All right, and we're back, and we uh, appreciate everybody uh, listening to uh, quite a fantastic podcast we have going on right now. Now we're going to transition into talking about something uh into talking about the pandemic the coronavirus and the impacts that it had that it's going to have on this academic year and what this academic year is going to look like um as we all know I mean, most of us know i'm sure listening to this podcast uh as right now the fall sports this year at columbia have been uh canceled uh I I don't know if there's a potential for any of them to be played in the spring. I don't know if that's still on the table or not, but um, right now there are no fall sports this year at Columbia through the fall semester. Um, As until a few days ago, uh, you know, everything's very fluid as everybody says every day. I'm sure that's a, a phrase that most of us are sick of hearing, but it could change from the moment we record right now until this podcast comes out. But Um, Up until a few days ago, uh, we were looking forward to having a lot of our undergraduates on campus. Uh, Columbia was going to try and do 60% capacity, uh, but that was changed within the last week. And now we know that none of the undergraduates are going to be on campus. We do know that the semester will be all virtual in terms of classes. So again, we have our student athlete advisory committee e-board here to talk about the pandemic and uh, Paulina, I'm just going to start with you again. Um, can you talk about any conversations that uh, you've had with SAC and any conversations up until this point as to, you know, what the pandemic and what the new changes and what that's going to mean for the semester?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that there's been a ton of conversations around this because it's you know, just really unprecedented. There's not really any, you know, we can look at as students or even like admin to really set any sort of precedent for this situation, Um, you know, within the team, I think it's a lot of focus has really been on checking in on each other, making sure that, um, you know, continuing uh, in terms of mental health, in terms of just really everything, um, you know, with everyone either living at home or wherever people are quarantining um, in their given situation, Uh, I think our conversation, in terms of what practices look like, has really shifted a lot because up until pretty recently, uh, we were kind of under the assumption that we would be phasing in uh, for practice. uh, You know, beginning with, you know, conditioning and and kind of phasing in. And I think it we are we were specifically in a kind of an interesting spot because uh, tennis has kind of been. Designated as a pretty socially distant sport. Um, so, and I know that athletics, um, previously was saying that, you know, not every single thing with, it wasn't a blanket statement for athletics. It was kind of, um, the phasing in was like, I guess, independent for each team. So, uh, tennis was in a little bit of an interesting spot there. Um, and so now I think with everything moving online, it kind of shifts the conversation. I think we get more information on Thursday, um, from Peter Pilling on that, but, um you know not really sure because we don't really we don't really know I'm I'm not sure how much athletic knows I'm not even really sure how much you know the United States knows at this point in terms of what we're looking for looking at in terms of the fall semester and really in terms of going into spring
0: and Paul for for you know from a football standpoint how crazy is it seeing you know the the power five kind of half of them are canceling half of them are trying to play like how wild is that it's, as a football player and a football fan, uh, to see what's I mean, going it's, on there.
5: It's, it's definitely wild seeing Justin Fields' petition to play, get 3,300,000 signatures in one day, trying to get the Big Ten reinstated again. But I know, I mean, I want to play football. I want to see it, it being played safely and the players being taken care of. But it's devastating just knowing that other people are going to be playing and I'm not. So it's pretty sad. But I, I, want, I want to see football on TV this fall, so I'm hopeful.
1: And did any of you have uh, plans to live on campus, uh, around campus, off-campus housing? Have any of your plans changed within the last week, within the last two weeks? Can you, uh, Maybe Monique, I see you shaking your head yes, nodding yes, so why don't you start us off?
4: Yeah, I think originally the plan was to stay near campus so that I could work out with my team um, and provide like some sort of seniority for incoming first years and our returning second years. Um, and with financial aid packages rolling out and uh, housing on campus getting rescinded, it became a better and safer option for me. I felt to stay home. So I think one thing that you're really going to see out of our student athlete community is a lot of creativity. Um, we're having to pivot a lot and react just like the rest of the world to this fluid situation. Um, and whether it's finding new ways to interact with each other or supplementing workouts in various different ways, I've seen friends literally bench press couches, um, because we don't have access to gyms right now. (laughs) Um, it's, I saw one thing that I think really summed it up perfectly that we're gonna be the generation that never takes anything for granted. Um, And I really just thought that was a beautiful way of putting it. I think we're never gonna take anything plans, um, any gatherings together for granted ever again.
1: Yeah, Paul and- So Monique, uh, you didn't
6: didn't have to commit to a lease, did you? Were you okay in that uh, department?
4: I was about two days away from committing to a year leave. Uh,
6: Because I know that can be sticky.
2: I can't say the same Monique. I signed. So I will
6: um, be living
2: on the Upper West Side. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I will be there. But uh, we are making the most of it.
6: That's (laughs) That's hard hard because these things go so fast around here. You have to almost have to Uh,
4: I'll come visit Paulina.
2: Well, Thank anytime, you. I have a couch that pulls out into a twin twin bed. It's very nice. <laughs> you, can <laughs> press, like. you can bench press right My out. mom sent me a ton of masks <laughs> and gloves and hand sanitizer. It's super sanitary. There you go. Um, it's all regulation. It's all good. <laughs> it's how have
3: you guys as a team been staying connected the best? Is it iMessage? You guys, how does football do? Is it group me? What do you guys do?
5: Yeah, we have a pretty big group me that people come into pretty often just oh, talking about their lives or – Updates That's on workouts so. yeah. too.
1: There, so there's legitimately over, a, is there like a, over 100 people in this group me?
5: Yeah, there is. I think there's Oh my
1: goodness. I have a tough time with like 12 people in a group me before I have to hide the <laughs> alerts. <It's, laughs> I can't imagine you have those alerts constantly sounding on your phone all day. Definitely not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> when, when you guys, I would imagine, do like a lot of article sharing or stuff like that, is that I've been asking all teams this. How do you share things that you find, like Ted's Netflix documentary, like I'm gonna share it with our team, but sometimes I put it in our text message and I'm pretty sure it just gets lost. Do you guys have any other better systems that you recommend or you guys just do that?
4: Our team has been having weekly check-in meetings um, and kind of at the end, we just allow people to say whatever's on their mind and heart and a lot of the times it is recommendations for a good book that they're reading or Excellent documentary that they've read or even like as a SAC, we pushed out a list of classes on black and indigenous history and the history of racism. So Like providing resources to each other and also like the greater resources of the university as well. So that we can take classes that will help educate us further. I think it's really been Those face to face conversations where those resources get shared most effectively
5: there was a google doc that was created somewhere down the line with a bunch of resources podcasts netflix documentaries and books i think we have that in our group me and people just add to that so it can be referenced whenever if you're looking for anything that's
3: awesome
0: going to the academic side what do you what do you all know about how classes are going to be this fall. Is it going to be pretty much exactly the same as the spring, or is there some modifications, just to give people some insight on that?
2: I haven't heard anything, at least on my end, about it being any different from it was in the spring. Obviously, in the spring, we were um, under a mandatory pass-fail grading system, and that is not what I don't, I don't think we're doing that uh, this coming semester. Um, I'm not sure if people can afford to do that who are looking to go to grad school and everything. So I think that there's, I'm not sure if they're doing anything different or changing it, but I think that there is an option to take things for a grade um, this coming semester. But at least in my personal experience, um, the Zoom classes and everything like that, they worked well um, in terms of, I'm, I'm not really sure how much better that they could be virtually. Um, I was It was a little bit awkward at first, but I think now having been working from home for, you know, pretty much the entire summer. I've gotten pretty used to navigating Zoom, when to be on mute or everything like that. So I've kind of figured it out a little bit. Uh, so I think that it's going to be the same um, from what I've heard for the classes in the, in the fall.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this like separately on some other podcasts and just in our side conversations, but we feel like some of the changes like that will come this pandemic that will be long lasting will be the fact that not, not just like working from home, but like being on these zoom calls and missing classes, like, you know, there's not going to like, there may not be a thing such as missing classes anymore. If you're sick, but you can just jump on the zoom call and they'll put you on the computer screen and you'll be in class and you still have to be there regardless. Right. So I just feel like, uh, you know, it's kind of forced us to be able to use technology to be able to still communicate from long distances and there's gonna be some, some real changes after all this is over and things go back to some kind of normalcy.
4: On that piece of long distances, I think one thing that professors are recognized and learned from last semester is that class times aren't always easy to meet um, when you live across the country or across the globe. So moving in the middle of the semester, I had classes at 5 a.m. on the West Coast that I was waking up for. So I got the majority of my school done from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., which was kind of a wild experience. But I've seen a lot of professors even now just putting out like, hey, we'll be recording our lectures for those that can't attend live, um, obviously live being recommended but I think that's important in an accessibility standpoint for sure.
5: Yeah, I definitely agree with Mo, what Mo just said because I had some classes that I just noticed that were changed completely with the time. And the email the professor said following up after she changed it without consulting me, the students that are already in the class was that the majority of the students are international students. So that's why she changed the class time. So, I mean, I've had to change a few of my classes because ch- class times were changed. And then also I noticed that we're having a hybrid system. So there's some classes that are gonna go for seven weeks, four days of the week. And so I've had to drop out of a few of those classes, which was kind of messed up my schedule a little bit because I didn't expect to go for through those classes in seven weeks, four times a week. And I just don't think I have the flexibility for that.
1: What have you guys learned maybe from the spring semester uh, Having been all uh, well, once once everybody got sent home, uh, that you think will like help you this semester, knowing going in that the entire semester is going to be virtual.
0: that note, I think that's uh, about that's about all Real
3: the time quick, we have. To... Mike, I have a quit. I have Here
1: one we go. more. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> the segment. Did I know if they've <laughs> well, listened was... to the podcast before? They know that this <laughs> is the segment. Row just thought <laughs> of something.
3: <laughs> Do You guys. In classes, has there been any weird, not weird, funny stories that has happened? Cause Zoom for a while, like I'm a TA for a grad class and I don't have any extremely funky stories, but were there any good ones that you guys have off the top of your head to share? Um I had a situation
2: where I was in a I was in a class and it was a very, very like small discussion class of ten kids or so, and our professor was pretty old. Um, it wasn't super great with the uh, Zoom technology and learning, especially you know transitioning in the middle of semester, which is really understandable. Yeah. Um, so he was late by about like 35 minutes to class. We're like, okay, whatever, we're waiting. And then about 20 minutes after that, he fell asleep, um, on the Zoom, <laughs> and so we were kind of just sitting there and we're like, okay, um, <laughs> so I guess we can just give ourselves feedback for a little bit, uh, and then he came back, you know, and navigated us through like about half an hour later but he he got a quick little nap in um and that's in the screen fatigue i was talking about and I just it just said to you i will let him know uh to get some sun every day and
1: enjoy life <laughs> <laughs> mo's got to teach him the importance of coffee i guess
3: oh man <laughs> <you go>. Amazing.
1: <laughs> may as well go straight to espresso
3: it's yeah just uh, espresso.
6: Uh, <laughs> Uh, we had a we had an incident in a 300-person uh, Zoom meeting where uh, a gentleman took his computer into the restroom
1: with him. Oh, good.
0: I feel like that's a common occurrence. <laughs> no, I felt like there was that's a, a video.
1: Wasn't there a viral video that yeah. happened? But, yeah.
0: Turn off the camera. <laughs> off the camera. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice, I guess it's yeah, harder it's cl- to realize.
0: Close, that-
6: close your ears, too. Yeah. Heard yeah. <laughs> 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 everything. Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> oh no it's probably harder to realize when you're on a zoom call with that many people and like you know and there's like so many little windows up as compared to this when you're on a zoom call with six or seven people right oh geez
0: all right for real we're gonna we're gonna close up shop for this week but i want to thank ted paul paulina and monique for joining us this week it was a great conversation um we hope to you guys stay safe and have a good semester and hopefully we'll see you back on campus. In the spring
2: so thank you so much for having us all right take care
0: all right for Megan Rojas and Kyle Matrician I'm Mike Walski we are the Roarcast you can listen to us each week Uh, find us on Spotify Apple Podcasts Stitcher SoundCloud and GoColumbiaLions.com slash podcasts so anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us so we will talk to you again next week